This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 788 brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are still washing their hands and still wearing their masks where appropriate. I mean, you should always wash your hands. That's just that's just good habits. There is a road that meets the road that goes to my house and how the green grows there. And we got special boots to beat the path to my house And it's careful, and it's careful when I'm there And I say your uncle was a crooked French-Canadian And he was gut-shot running Hey, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 788. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Very professionally formatted script this week, I might say. Hmm. We are iFanboy. Every week we read a stack of comic books. Mm. Which is True. not physically a stack, if I'm honest. It's, it's a digital it's, stack. It's a list, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like when people say, hey, rewind that. And I was like, this is not what we're doing at all. <laughs> we read those comics. One of us picks the one they like best. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about the book. We talk about other books. We will have a patron pick where you folk uh, who are listening and have chosen to participate vote. So we have to read a book because of you. You. True. Yep. Sometimes it's a long book. We will do... But sometimes it's, you know, like it's long, but it doesn't really feel that long. So that's it wasn't, true. that's not really the problem. No. Not that there aren't problems. Hey, that's a, that's a teaser. That's a preview. We answer some listener mail if we have time. Uh, it's a good time. There's a spoiler thing that might happen here. If you don't want to know what happens in books, don't listen to us talk about the book. <laughs> true. Connor, you had the pick. I did. And this was another week where I had a book lined up until I read the very last book in my stack, which was X-Men number one from Jerry Duggan and Pepe Larraz, and Marte Gracia, and Clayton Kells. Just to be, it wasn't the strongest week of comics. <laughs> so the competition was slim. I've been reading X-Men since the House of X, Powers of Ten, you know, event with Hickman coming on. I've been reading the regular X-Men book, and I've been reading Marauders. I tried a couple of the other ones, as everyone listening to the show. No, I read every single book in the Hellfire Gala, so I've been very into the X-Men world right now. When you say into it, do you mean uh, like, you, oh, I'm so into it, or that you are just, you're aware of it? It's like, double-edged. Have, have been, like, okay. into it in the fact that I just read all the X-Men books in, over the last right. f- four weeks. So I've been very physically, not physically, but mentally in the world. It's not unpleasant. I really enjoyed the, it's not an event, but I really enjoyed the stunt. So... When I saw they were relaunching X-Men with Jerry Duggan taking over for Hickman, 
I thought, well, that's interesting because Jerry Duggan's been doing terrific work and he's been writing Marauders, which is the only other X-Men book I read besides X-Men number one. And Pepe Larraz is one of the better new artists to come along in recent years. So I was like, oh, I'll check it out. That'll be fun. And it was a lot of fun. This was not a departure from what's going on in the other books, but it is much more of, hey, this is the X-Men. Let's let them be superheroes instead of out, like, I'm not going to say mired because that means it sounds bad, but it, it's not deep in the what's happening on Krakoa. In fact, it takes place entirely in New York because the X-Men team moves and builds headquarters in New York City. And so it's very much, hey, we need to reestablish ourselves as heroes. And so that's what this issue is about. This is literally them just fighting a monster in New York City. And it was a lot of fun. They used their Krakoa technology to build a giant treehouse headquarters on 86th Street. And so it's become this giant, like, tourist attraction so ben uh Yurik shows up to interview cyclops so that's a fun little crossover i don't think i've ever seen ben Yurik interviewing cyclops before cyclops is a fan there was a fun bit where they take care of the problem before the avengers and the fantastic force and spider-man show up so i just thought this was fun it looks terrific pepe Larraz, uh yeah. does great uh, big action and there's a kind of a silly jerry duggan-esque uh, not deus ex machina but the solution that the x-men come up with to fight this invading alien is was funny this giant X-Men robot, Voltron kind of situation. It looks like a minion <laughs> with a mustache. The page turn was funny. I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Yep. I just thought it was a, it was a good time and it looked terrific. Now, is X-23 in the book calling herself Wolverine in Wolverine's costume? Yes. Is that stupid? Also, yes. <laughs> are two Wonder Girls stupid? Yes. All those things are stupid. But <laughs> nothing I can do about it. I mean, you should expect some stupid. Yeah. It should be part of the thing. So it sounds like you also read this. I did. And I read it without you. I read it on my, of my own accord. Mm-hmm. Because it just said, I looked, it was just X-Men number one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And then I looked and it wasn't Hickman. Mm-hmm. I expected to get a few pages into it and go, hey. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, it starts off. There's a lot in this book, actually, now that I'm sort of yeah, flipping through it again. Like there's this bit about a this little story about you know, basically a genius mad scientist. And then... We cut to the park, and, and, you know, it felt like I had missed a setup for something, but also I caught up real easy. Yeah. I was like, oh, the, the mutants have gone to Mars. I remember somebody mentioned that. Yeah. And I was like, it looks like they're trying to be superheroes again. That's cool. That's fun. That's the thing that I really felt was missing out of the other stuff because they were all jerks right. for a while, and these are just some X-Men trying to do some good. Then it felt like kind of genuine. It was like Cyclops could be friendly to people again, and I was mm-hmm. like, that feels so much more right. Right an asshole cyclops yeah yeah totally yeah and then you get the giant i mean kaiju kaiju and uh apocalypse those are the trade names right now in comics right and so you know you have a, a, a mecha kaiju you know a pacific rim kind of thing going on here that was suitably silly mm-hmm. and a big fight the, the like the kind of fight that was so big i was like the city would never recover from this no they also stole all the steel from all the construction sites to build their robot I also thought of that economic consequence like, as well. Also, some of that steel will be holding other things up. I was like, things are crashing down all over the city right now. But it's okay, because that's, yeah. that's how Dad did it. That's exactly right. I actually totally forgot about the little opening with the guy, the scientist. Yeah. But I, I thought that was funny, too. created the robot. Right, where there was like a whole, he built his whole career up to terraform Mars, and then the X-Men went and did it, and he just <laughs> crushes his dreams. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Was like, Fuck. <laughs> I'm not the problem. They're the problem. And also, I'm just looking through this. Pepe Larraz's this work is so dynamic. Like Every page has a really dynamic shot in it. Yeah. There's fisheye lens stuff. 
And also the Marte Gracia colors, I think, are really terrific as well. I think he's really good for X-Men. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, oh, I, he's obviously really good. And I'm not, yeah. but it's not like my favorite artist, but he really does these characters well. He has a thing where, you know, Scott and Gene, they look like X-Men. Mm-hmm. And it's like both vintage and and modern at the same time. There's a real great line being tread there. And, and like you said, yeah, it's dynamic. And I think the colors... Uh, definitely help with that. They're they're bold. Yes. All of it is just short of too much, if that makes sense. It's right at the line of, like, it should be a lot, but it's not too much. Mm-hmm. It, you know, in terms of, you know, just being a little over the top. I think other than that one Avengers story that I can't remember what it was, I think I've only seen Pepe Larraz draw the X-Men. Mm-hmm. I think that's all I've seen. I don't know him from anything else. Yeah. I, I know that it was interesting because... I recognized the name, but I couldn't have put it. But then he was basically lead artist on a really big deal book, and he showed up for it, you know? Yeah. It's a good-looking book. And you said the colors, there's a lot of primary colors. There's panels here that have, like, very green, very blue. You know, there's the whole electricity and stuff. Pastels. Is, yeah, it's yeah. just Marte Gracie uses colors really, really well. Mm-hmm. Every page, there's something really, you know, low-angle, yeah. fisheye lens, I don't know how long he's been drawing comics, but man, he's really got the language down really well. Well, yeah, you've got sort of the dynamic, sort of classic character poses, a lot of that in here. And then at the same time, you have, here are comic book highlights that happen in this thing. Big team shot jumping at you, huge robot in scale, Mm -hmm. in the city, you know, buildings all around dynamically composed. There's, I mean, I don't know how much he designed, if he designed the treehouse, but the treehouse is interesting. Then there's a double page with a cutaway. Yeah. 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 And and also it's placed in the street. So you actually get the sense of where it is and how it sits in the world on this little sort of bunker hill thing. Uh, Not bunker hill like Boston, but like it looks like a bunker that's also a hill that sort of comes up out of the corner. Mm -hmm. And 86th is... It made it sound like it's in the park, but I was like, you can't buy property in the park. No, it's, it's, it looks like it's across the street. It's 86 Transverse. Right. It's probably, this is probably um, Central Park West. Uh, yeah. I mean, I haven't been there in a while. It's my old neighborhood, but I don't, it doesn't look like that, but it doesn't matter. At least it didn't when I was there. There is another... 86, 80, just 86 was the street of my first comic shop, Westside Comics. There's another New York City thing in a book this week that I was like, that's not right. This person's never been there. <laughs> we'll get to that. It's okay. But th- I thought this was a lot of fun. It surprised yep. me. It looked great. And if, and if we're going to just let them be heroes in this book, that'll be fun. I saw that you made a pick of the week, and I had had no idea what a pick of the week would be. It was one of those yeah. ones I'm like, I'm glad I don't have to do it. <laughs> And you, you put it in there, and I, I thought about it, and it, and it made sense. I was like, I get that. That makes sense. You know, it, it's it. It was out of. <laughs> it's it's so out of left field for us to be picking an X Men number one book, but it is. And I'm not saying I, they should ignore what's happening in Krakoa, or they should not deal with all the. Fo- they should absolutely deal with all the stuff. They've been building that up for years. I'm just yeah. saying it's fun to have a little side thing here where we're not so in the middle of that. Oh, I'm. I was. I mean, that was. I think the main point for me. I was like, oh, right. it seems like the Cohen stuff is gone, and that's good because that's there's actually too much of that to deal with. I feel like there's a lot. Taking them off planet is kind of good because. But it's only it's, some of them. It's only. It's not all right. the X Men. They're they're still living in Krakoa. It's the alien X Men. It's dumb. I don't really care about that. I, yeah. I do want to see some resolution to asshole X Men on Fuck Island. I do want to see how that plays out. It's not over yet. So I think going into this week. There was an expectation that perhaps Carmen number five was going to be pick of the week from Gil March. 
on Image Comics. This is the final issue of the Carmen Mini, which we really loved. It's been Pick of the Week twice. Was it twice? No, yeah. it's Pick of the Week once, and it was Patreon oh. Pick once. Right. Okay, that's right. I think what happened here, this was good, but what happened here was there was a whole brick wall of afterlife metaphysics that this book slammed into for me. And I just was kind of bored by that whole part of it. I liked the stuff with Carmen and Kata, but the two old women, those scenes kind of dragged for me. So I think I agree with you. I don't, I don't think it was bad and it was kind of interesting, but it wasn't the same thing. And it was all backloaded. Like if you had put that in, in little smidgets, Right. Throughout right. the exactly. entire thing, I yes. think it would have worked a lot better. But instead, it was like, I, I mean, I want to say it felt like two thirds of the book, but it was probably more like half. Or, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe uh, not uh, even, but it felt like it. Yeah, and and you know, I think you could rightfully describe everything else that had happened in the book: the girl thinking about her own life and making realizations in general as Carmen guides her through it. It was like a poetry. Mm-hmm. It was a form of just like. It was like art, unfettered. Yes. It was emotion and fluidity, and it was beautiful. And this other thing, it was, it was like comics need to explain themselves. Yes. Like he'd had this idea that this is what was going on, and this was an integral part of it. And I think somebody needed to be like, this is not important. <laughs> right. You know? Like, it just it's, wasn't. It's, it wasn't. I didn't really care. It's interesting, but not that interesting. Yeah. So I think there was a way to do it, but I think he got stuck. And at the end, he had all of this stuff to say, and it didn't need to be said. I did like the afterlife redemption for the guy who died and been getting hit by the car. Mm-hmm. He was going up to heaven with the engagement ring. He looked like he looked like Gollum holding it. <laughs> and then she found it. Like she actually, so she, the ending is she remembers her journey as a ghost, which is unusual for the situation. She got to go and find the engagement ring and return it to the woman and. She remembers things about people that she had touched. Yeah. You know, she found the driver of the car who hit the guy. Beautiful pages here. And Tony Lopez is on the color assist. I don't know how he broke that out with Gil March, but this remains a really gorgeous book. There's, there's a whole yeah. landscape at the end where she's on a boat, or she's on a, like a hang glider. Just beautiful. It's an ultralight. I did that. I was like, it, it also, because of all that other stuff, it kind of ended abruptly, which I don't really mind, but because you could have used that space to be a little more clear about it. But then I was like, why is she flying around on an ultralight? And that was it. <laughs> oh, I get it. She's flying. Yeah. I just, just occurred to me. Yeah. Makes you work for it, this book. She, she misses, not in a bad like, way. Ultimately, this was a really terrific comic. And yeah. if you're talking about year-end best comics of the year, this will be in a discussion. And it's also some of the greatest art that I have read in a long time. Yes. Or at least it's up there with, with, with the best stuff. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of everything, you know, character work, just like the roots sort of anatomy stuff. Yeah. Storytelling, dynamic imagery, you know, these packed pages, you know, that, that shouldn't work and they totally work. You know, it's it's like you're doing too much, but it's awesome. Really good. Did you end up reading The Nice House on the Lake book two? I did. Okay, I good. did. First of all, I, I, page four, what? my college dorm is never that messy. <laughs> well. Give me anxiety. <laughs> the flashback, I was like, oh my God, how can you live like that? I'm not a neat freak by any stretch of the imagination, but man. I don't think that's as bad as it could be. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's messy, but it, it, anyway, 
I don't know what I think of this overall. Mm-hmm. Same as last time. I liked bits of it and other parts I didn't. I do think that this comic book is not good enough to warrant large pages with blocks of text. Oh, the transcripts. Yeah, the transcripts and like the thing that I have to stop and read all the way through. And I always have a problem with that. And you can make it work. There's people who are really good at writing and when you get into it. And it wasn't so bad. But I think there's a that's a it's a real uh, show and don't tell problem. Like you're just telling me you're not showing me. And it's a comic book. If you want to write a novel, write a novel. It just messes up the pace of comic books unless it is like a plus plus work. I don't know how I feel. I, I think there are things that are interesting here. One thing I thought was, whoa, this is 12 issues. That was what, my first thought. Look, this, the, we talked about this last time. The setup is interesting. I don't yes. necessarily love everything about the book. I don't respond mostly to how James Tinney and the fourth writes. It's just a stylistic thing. I don't necessarily uh-huh. think he's bad. I just, it's not necessarily for me. But there's enough that's interesting here that I think I'm going to keep reading for right now. I'm not committing yes. to reading all 12. I think the art's terrific. Alvaro yes. Martinez Bueno is muy bueno. However, I think CCP, muy, muy bueno. There are way too many characters. Yeah, well, that's the, that is the real problem. Is. I had that thought in the beginning. In the, one of the transcripts, they're all called by their yeah. uh, titles. Procession, yeah. And I was like, Profession. if there's ever a book that needed the Dramatis Personae in the beginning, it's this book. I have no idea who any of these people and, are. Yeah, and maybe it was explained. It was, I mean, no, it was explained in the last issue, but dude, I would say that in the given course of that a month. seven months read, ago. Right. And we read a thousand characters yeah. a month, right. you know, and also like, I know that they're not all white people, but they're kind of all white people who are the same age and build and they have different colored hair, but like they kind of all look like the same person. There's two models. There's the thing a man about and a woman. superheroes is they have a very distinct appearance. So it triggers in your brain. Whereas yeah. dude in green t-shirt and baseball cap. I don't They're know changing that clothes, is. though. They have, they have daytime clothes. They have flashback clothes. They have bedtime clothes. I don't know who these people are. I have no idea. I don't even remember who the main character was. Walter. It's the one with the beard. That's the only thing no, I no, know about No, no, it's the woman from the beginning. No, not the alien. The oh, woman. Oh, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. I think you need to write a novel. I think this needs to be a novel. It's great art. I'm not saying it isn't, but I know that he, why he's doing it in the form of a comic book, because that's his medium, and that's where he works. But... I don't know. I don't think it's translating. Yeah, this is also reminds me of why I tend to read non-superhero stuff in trade because, again, uh-huh. like I can't keep track of dude in pink shirt who sometimes is in a pink shirt. And I think you agree with me here, and I want to be clear. I don't think that this is bad. No, and no, I no. think that we're harping on it and trying to figure out what isn't working because there's something really good here. If anything, I'm trying to figure out how I can enjoy it better. That's exactly it. Yeah. I'd say that's right. And so, you know, I, I think if you're listening, like, oh, they're trashing that book. No. It's not it. No. It's like basically, and I know that this is, you know, one of those armchair things, but like part of me is like, well, I feel like an editor should have done this earlier. You know, something like, oh, this is, this is too much. You can't, it's not clear. We don't know who these people are. We can't be invested in it. Everyone on the planet knows who like Iron Man is, right? But still, mm-hmm. in some books, Iron Man appears in the book and he gets a little thing that says, Iron Man, Tony Stark, industrialist. Mm-hmm. Don't need it, but they do it. Appreciate it. Here, could very easily be like, Bob, accountant. And I could be like, oh yeah. Which one's the comedian? I don't know. Do you think that there's a limit to how many, do you think there's like probably like a rule of thumb somewhere, like don't have more than this many characters in an issue? Or like main characters? I I bet there's some sort of like, 
you know, around with the Wally Woods 22 panels. Mm. You know, it's like seven characters is the most you can have. I don't know. So, I mean, you know, the old Justice League satellite there had like 25 member teams, but. Mm-hmm. But we know what they are. They all yeah. had costumes and decades of history. Whereas this is like, I don't, who's this guy being really helpful? Is he a comedian? Is it? Who's, who's this in-shape millennial? <laughs> who's that in-shape millennial? <laughs> like, have a fat guy. Have a short person. Right. Like, there's how you use the visual medium for it. This one person has slightly longer hair, but I don't know if it's supposed to be a trans person. Yes. It's called yes, yes. Nora. Okay. The one sitting on the chair smoking. Yeah. Yeah. I granted, this is newer ground, you know, in sort of things that you have to deal with comics. Because you're talking about, you know, it goes right back to Scott McCloud's understanding comics. There is basic iconography that lets people know where they're going. And, you know, it, to, to be fair, putting trans folks in comics is definitely a new thing, but you need ways to signal things. One way or another. I had forgotten that her hand had been taken off. I didn't remember that. It was the whole thing about, you know, that was all in the text bit. Like, find the tourniquet. And I was like, what? Like, I I just forgot. And then they talked about it, but it wasn't... I mean, like, okay. They talked about it happening in this one, but the person who went through it wasn't in the scene. So I couldn't see. And they talked about a woman going through it, and I thought that character was a man. And I know that's tricky. Yeah, The clarity is not there. You've got to be more innovative then. Like, it's it's awesome. Have inclusion. Figure out a way to do these characters, but it's a big fucking meal. Yeah, again, I, I thought it was pretty good enough that I'm going to keep reading it. Me too. <laughs> it's one of those relationships I want to fix. I can fix it. I can fix them. The Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Two. This is another issue. In oh, the... oh, wait! I'm sorry. Yeah. I missed the thing in the last issue that is important. Yeah. There is a scene where they have bagels, and they say, "Oh, this is a great bagel. This is the last one I'm gonna have. We got them from Brooklyn." And I was like, "There's no way that that fucking thin ass <laughs> round ring is a good bagel from Brooklyn. That is not what a New York bagel looks like." And I'm offended as a person who can't get a New York bagel. That's what bagels in New Hampshire look like. Yeah. And it is not the bagel you want. Or, yeah, most of L.A. Move along. The Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 2. This is the next issue in the Infinite Destinies, completely irrelevant and unconnected a crossover story involving people connected to the Stones, unless it's Black Cat Annual, which has nothing to do with that. This is Spider-Man teaming up, well, not teaming up with, but guest starring with Star... Written by Carla Pacheca with art by Eleonora Carlini. And the first page was a nice little recap of King and Black Thunderbolts 1 through 3, yep. which we loved. I think one of the questions with Star has been, is Star going to be a hero or a villain? I thought it was pretty clear they were making her a villain. Here, for about one page, she says, maybe I want to use his powers to help people. And then, nope. <laughs> Not at all. She goes on a sp- crime and killing spree. So I think now we're pretty set on what Star is. She's a bad guy. That's what I was thinking is that I thought... Although first she gets rid of co-pays with, with her reality <laughs> gem, which is a heroic move. Yeah, that could almost sort of obviate anything else yes. uh, that she she If she needs to done. do a couple of, bit, couple of murders to get rid of co-pays. Also, it's a very strong comic book joke. Yes, it was. Because it's no more mutants, but yeah. it's no more co-pays. And I was like, all right, kudos to you. <laughs> That's brilliant. I think almost everything that she did in this was forgivable and you could have kept her as an ambiguous character except for that she eviscerated a man (laughs) stuffed him in a locker yeah and i get the joke and i get that it's being over the top but 
you just you can't come back from that no nope you can't and i think that takes away does he have a stupid mustache yes does that mean he he should be taken into pieces and put into a locker no but hey without being told why he said i'm sorry i feel bad about that i wish i could change it he turned into a good guy which is what it is kids are awful this was good this issue i think it was really good i think carla pacheco who had done um spider woman spider woman she's great i think she's got a real great voice it's funny um i don't know if eleonora carlini was the artist on spider woman i don't think so no no there's an influx of female talent which is awesome and she's great like i think she did it was exactly the right art for this story i just think that one part of the story was too over the top and it's like hank pym yeah once he beat up janet that was it like it all revolves around that forever You've taken this character who is really interesting because you just don't know where she sits. And also, at any point, she could go either way, and it's over now. Yeah, so Star's whole thing is she has the reality gem inside of her. And so she can bend reality to her will. I guess she could bring him back. She could, she could theoretically, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how the gems, the stones work. At the beginning, it's just a lot of silliness. She takes people's dogs, and she's got all these dogs. And, and she you know gets free stuff from stores and gems and... And all the books. And she just wants to be left alone to read her books with her dogs and her diamonds. And she finds that boring. So she decides she's going to get revenge for high school. She goes to back to Midtown High School in Queens. Which I still don't understand the name of that school. <laughs> There's no Midtown in Queens. <laughs> it's the Midtown of Manhattan. That's a geography that makes sense. I went Queens to is, high school is in Queens. Queens is a pastiche. A diaspora. Yeah. It's like uh, feudal England. And so she goes back to... In a very, like, you know, 80s, 90s romantic comedy way. because She tricks everyone to think she's a high schooler and so makes herself into the most popular, prettiest high school student. And all the mean girls are falling all over themselves to be her friends. And all the guys want to date her. And and then she decides, oh, look, some of my old bullies are working here. So she's going to get revenge on them. So that's the one guy she kills. And then, as you said, there was some interesting things about how you grow as a human. You know, and there yeah. are there are things... There's a tendency in the world now to condemn everyone for their worst actions as a young person before their brains are fully formed. Mm -hmm. And we see that here where she goes to get her revenge. And look, some of these people have grown and become better people. Some haven't. The woman that she runs into, her primary nemesis, doesn't seem like she she got all that much better. But a lot of people grow and change from the time they're 16. So that was an interesting, you know, sort of investigation of that idea. And the, the stuff with her mom was tough, but... I thought Carla Pacheco wrote Spider-Man really well. I yeah. thought he was legitimately funny, but also like legitimately trying to help Star. Yeah, had enough gravitas when necessary. Right. It wasn't just treated like there were things that weren't a joke, and yeah. and they did that part well. Yeah, yeah, I thought this was good. I thought it was good, but I really I I thought that that one bit kind of dinged it for me in a big way because it was just too much. Didn't need to be there. Also, I don't even bother at this point reading the backups, which is, I guess, the only place where these stories connect. I don't really care. It's pretty. Oh, it's because it's one for Yeah, I, I looked at it. But I, I was like, God, that's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> but they're also really, really short. And so yeah. it's not like a problem to read them. But also, I didn't get anything out of that. But whatever. Who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, go for the story in the middle. That's that's kind of what we came for. Uh, if you like what you're listening to right now, you think, oh, man, you know what? This is the best part of my week. And also, if this is the best part of your week. I apologize, but I'm glad to it's help. It's the best part of our week. Yeah, I know, but we're it's a different it. we're I'm on just, the show. I'm saying it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> for them, for us, totally. Yeah. 
No, but if you're listening and you, and you appreciate the thing and you, and you were like, oh man, I want to make sure I keep this going. This is important to me and I want to show it. There's all sorts of ways to do that. But the best one is patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's how the new media works. We are not ever going to be big enough to make a living doing this thing. Again. You know, it's a niche thing. We, tr- we tried. We did it for five years. And we're just recovering. That's true. <laughs> Never going to be able to retire. The, the, no, no, God, no. Uh, the patrons, the patrons, <laughs> doing a podcast about comics. <laughs> Welcome to Pig of the You think our memory's bad now? Wait till we're doing this for thirty years. <laughs> you think we're complaining about young people now? <laughs> we're being old. That's the best reason to hang on to this. Just keep doing this forever like the Simpsons. Patrons have unlocked things like the talk explodes, book explodes, media explodes, and YouTube content getting re-uploaded for everyone to enjoy. And that's just not a patron thing. That's everybody. The monthly patron hangouts, which are super fun. Mm -hmm. Other than carving out an hour, I could do that forever. That's super fun. And I feel like I feel like the people watching really enjoy it too, and I think that that, that comes back, and, and it's and it's participatory. We we chat with the folks as we're doing it, and that's fun. The next stretch goal is a new show that looks at the classic '80s GI Joe cartoon one episode at a time. Which, by the way, I think this is going to become a hot property. Mm. If this Snake Eyes movie mm-hmm. becomes a thing, then we'll be right there. We're right in the sweet spot for forty-year-old people. <laughs> <laughs> but to do that, we'd have to get to the next patron goal. After that. We are going to look at maybe uh, at the barbecue email video show, if that ever happens again on a quarterly basis. That's not up to us, is it? No. That's up to you listening. You can also enjoy the iFanboy patron uh, group on Facebook and the iFanboy patron Discord server, which are which are lovely individual communities, which I haven't been in in a little while, so I'm sorry about that. All that stuff, you want some merch, you want some goods, you want some units? Uh, you can go to ifanboy.threadless.com. There are eight designs there currently. You can put them on T-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, baby clothes, or other things, phone covers, notebooks, bath mats. It's a, it's, a, it's a dizzying array is what it is. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to ifanboy.com slash support, which is uh, all that Michigas is ignored. And you, there's a PayPal link if you're like, here you go. Here's this. Thank you for what you're doing. Leave me alone. I don't want to be involved. We thank you for all of that. And then finally, ifanboy.com slash Amazon. If you buy stuff through that link, that helps us out. You can always find links to buy the books we talk about on Books Below and the picks of the week. Even the music on the show is linked to there for you to support those artists. It's all a circle of artist support, apparently. Mm -hmm. And everybody who does any of those things, we genuinely appreciate it very much. Thank you for your support and your continued support. And for even the guy who's like, I think I should do that. And then a year goes by and like, I really have been meaning to do that. I thank you, too. Thank you. I understand you. I get it. Justice League Infinity, number one, for a while, this was the pick of the week, written by J.M.D. Matias and James Tucker, with art by Ethan Beavers. <laughs> J.M.D. Matias, a longtime comic writer, James Tucker, is a longtime producer of DC animated content, and this is a book set firmly in the world of Justice League Unlimited, featuring terrific art by Ethan Beavers, very cartoony, very Bruce Timm-esque without being totally a swipe of Bruce Timm. Just a big old Justice League adventure. You know, when, when you get so mired in all of the ongoing universe stuff and the stuff you hate the knowing stuff sometimes a, a book that just goes back to basics in the animated world is the best tonic for that do they have books like this for different eras other than the ones that we grew up liking not really no it's interesting they keep going back to the animated world the gen x people rule the comic book content right now is yeah. what i think yeah this is a surprise birthday party for flash and then there's a dual attack from apocalypse so you get granny goodness shows up in a boom tube and then Calabac does, and it's, it's a dueling invasion. They both won't invade, they did it separately. It's just a big old fight with Apocalypse minions and the Justice League, and it just was a ton of fun, and it looked great, and there's a nice cliffhanger. I don't know why this book exists. 
but I'm happy it does because stripped of all of the nonsense, great superhero stuff. Fun stuff. Yeah, I really liked it. You put the Avengers number 46 on here, and, and I was surprised. Not shocked. Well, surprised. I wanted to check Why in, we because we yeah. haven't loved this. We're 46 issues into this run from Jason Aaron on Avengers. First of all, it's a crazy. It's crazy in these days. That's, that's not nothing. We haven't really loved it. I'm still reading it. This is the start of World War She-Hulk, which made me roll my eyes. I'm just being honest. Uh, this issue was drawn by Javier Garon. But it was kind of fun, even if it took my brain a lot of work to remember. He's pulling in a lot of strings here from old storylines. Yeah, I've forgotten like. about the Gorilla Man, Dracula thing, that he had become an agent for Dracula. So here where he sabotages the base to allow the Winter Guard, the Soviet Avengers team, to show up and kidnap She-Hulk. I was like, wait, what? Oh, right. That happened a long time ago. And I don't remember why they kidnapped She-Hulk. But then the bears run in the game. Yeah. And then they figure that out. I'm not happy about Gorilla Man. I hope he had no choice. He didn't remember. He got, like, glamored by Dracula or whatever it was in the Dracula. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. You know, he's got clothes. He works in IT. (laughs) He's he's a good guy. It's Frank in IT. Yeah. It was fun. If this storyline can fix She-Hulk, then I'll be all for it. Uh, yeah, I assume that you're not digging this version of her. We talked about this before. I don't like Rage She-Hulk. It makes her just exactly the same as Hulk. Yeah, yeah. I liked that she has a mantra, though, Yeah. where she goes over legalese in her head. I thought that, that was really funny. Yeah, I actually liked this. I didn't love it, but I liked it more than I think I've liked an Avengers book in a while. I don't know why exactly, but I did. Yeah, I thought the art did the job. It wasn't, I don't think it was great, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it got us where we needed to, and it was fun comic booky enough. I have made a decision that if Hey Kids Comics comes back for volume three, Mm -hmm. prior to the release of the first issue, I'm going to make a chart. I had a very similar thought. Because the thing is, the chart chart at the beginning is not comprehensive. And then there's more of a chart at the end, and it's still not fully comprehensive. Because, just for example, I am remembering now that Sid Meier's is Uh Jack Kirby. Yes. And so I was reminding myself that over and over again. Then I get to the chart at the end. I was like, why are you not mentioning the Jack Kirby guy? I guess he was on the last page. But either way, it was after the book was over. Yeah, I guess if you have a physical book, it'd be easier. But the way my brain works is, and because we know enough of this to be dangerous, is I spend the entire issue not enjoying the story, but trying to figure out who everybody is. And so I just need a chart so I can be like, oh, Bob Rose is Stan Lee. And which way is Gil Kane? That's in the back page. Ray Clark. Ray Clark is Gil Kane. Benita Heindel is Ramona Frieden. Frieden. I just need to, Who's I, Ted Whitman supposed to be? I don't the, know. The black guy. And also, who is Laszlo Fabian? Is he Neil Adams? There's his way of trying to make that clear. I don't know. I, the thing is, I really don't know a lot about the secondary personalities of those era. Like, I know about them, but nothing about the personality. I will say, this one was easier for me. And I assume this redhead's Roy Thomas? Yes. Yeah, one of those kids is definitely Roy The guy's Thomas. taking over for Verve. The guy's like, where's right. Bob? Verve Bob's working from home. That's Roy Thomas. And, and look, this is a pretty big issue. This is Hey Kids Comics Volume 2 Number 3, because this is where we get to the point where the Marvel stand-in is making superheroes. So you have the Bob and Sid, which is Stan and Jack, team up. And so this right. is like a seminal moment. So this is a big deal. But like, I also spent the whole time going, who is the genius that is ahead of their time? Like, who is that guy? Is it... right? Is it Neil Adams? Is it is it was that's too early for Neil Adams, isn't it? Yes. It's not Ditko. We've already had the Ditko character. Carmine Infantino's got to be in here somewhere. Is it what's his name? 
Agent of Shield guy? Oh, Steranko? Is it Steranko? Ooh, could be. So at least I felt with this, I knew where I was yeah. in time. I know the, I know this part of history. So it was easier to follow along in terms of sort of the, what, we, what we were talking about and, and what was going on. And, you know, the patter, the sort of just the artists talking amongst themselves is always great. Mm-hmm. Like it's really interesting to look at. And this has not changed. Like they're younger now and they, right. they speak differently, but it's the same sort of conversations that take place. And <laughs> these people are just so mad that they're in comics and they can't not do it. And I get you. And it's, it's just funny because they're mad in the office and they have parties. They socialize together and they have the same mm-hmm. conversations. Like It's just like mm-hmm. they're just stuck in this life they do not want to lead, not having any idea. And the first volume of this was all about how the payoff – for comics happens decades too late for these characters. Right. I still love this book. I just, my brain can't stop trying to figure out who everybody is. And so I need, I'm going to make a chart if this continues on. Cause I, I just can't spend the whole issue yeah. going, wait, which one's, yeah, he's Gil Kane. Who are these kids? Like, forget it. I can't do it. There's a one page short story yes. at the end, which is fantastic. And so sad. I love that this book exists. I yeah. love that this book exists and that it's Howard Chaykin who did it because he existed. Only who could do it. Yeah, he's the only one who existed in all of these worlds in some extent or another, and that is such a treasure. Feels like a real inside look. Mm-hmm. It's not a one for one. It's not exactly. He's not telling the no. story of the real comics. He's he's inspired by those stories to tell this fictional tale. But there's enough truth here. But he's telling the story of comics mm-hmm. large. You know, these aren't the details of what happened in Marvel or whatever. But this is what it was like. Yeah, to the best of my understanding, and I think that. You know, it's it's almost as close to as an oral history to what we'll get. Mm-hmm. You know, and he has the voices down and and the sort of scene. It's delightful. <laughs> Serial number five by Terry Moore. I continue to really like this book, even if I don't totally understand what's happening. I thought this issue one of the stronger ones in which we parallel path story one. We get to see the serial killer work her game, you know, from start to finish mm-hmm. on a mark. You know, from meeting him at a bar to killing him. And then the other one was the little girl survives her encounter. Well, she, of course, she's like immortal, but you know, her encounter with the pedophile ends in a very tragic way with the dog. And I thought this was this was a really strong issue. I still don't understand what was. was happening. I just, but I thought it was for what happened in the issue was really good. Yeah, the, what I did know though, who I was looking at. Yes, true. In this one, and that was really helpful. I was like, okay, there's two distinct things that are happening. The thing that was interesting to me is. I'm not sure, like, did she hunt this guy or did she, like, wait for a person to walk in? Yeah, I wasn't sure of that either. Because he didn't seem like a horrible person. No, but he was going to. Her whole thing is she's been killing guys who are trying to exploit her or cheat on their spouses. Like, the first guy she killed we saw was a really bad dude. Yes. He was sleeping with his underage employees. But the second one was just a guy who pulled over her helper with her flat tire and was Mm -hmm. married and hitting on her. And she killed that guy. But this dude, like, wasn't even that far. Like, he's like, I'm going to talk to the girl. But, like, I think when it came to it, you know, like, he wasn't really going to do anything. And she got him completely loaded. And he was like, oh, you're like, oh, he's very sad. Yeah, unhappy in his life. Yeah. And then, yeah, the dog thing at the end. This is good. I mean, every every month is a master class on cartooning. But I thought this was really emotionally resonant issue. Can I tell you that I have an absolute terror of those hotels (laughs) that have an indoor like mm-hmm. rail that you could fall down into like the middle. Like there is one in San Francisco, the, I think it's made, I don't know if it's a Hyatt, it's a Hilton, I think. Uh, and it's like a big pyramid inside and it scares the shit out of me. 
the first hotel we all stayed at together, Comic Con was like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. So those are the books we wanted to talk about. Strange week, but the patrons always have their say. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And as befitting this strange week, the voting was way down this week. Normally much higher, but I think people were not inspired this week to make a pick. But the vote ended up going to Skybound X, number one, a new weekly celebration of Skybound's 10 years. And this is a anthology weekly book featuring four stories, two of which were Walking Dead related, shockingly. So we read it. And what did you think? Not a lot. You know, I read it and... I don't know. It didn't. It didn't seem very enticing. I thought the first story, uh, which first story was clever, was, was clever. It, it's a very meta story. It's Rick Grimes, yeah, two thousand, by the Invincible team, which is Kirkman and Otley and Rathburn McKagan. Well, it's a takeoff on a joke that Kirkman yes. made a long time ago about pitching that there was aliens at the end of Walking Dead, and then they did a joke issue about it, which is Walking Dead seventy five, and then this is the continuation of that. And I think if you're super into Walking Dead. And this stuff, it's probably great, but I, I feel like I've kind of moved on from it. It didn't really speak to me that much. It's a joke issue in which the all of the dead characters are not really dead. They were abducted by aliens. And so right. here Rick is with like Tyrese and the governor and you know, Worry. Pe- people I don't even remember really. Yeah, that was the other thing. I was like, I don't remember The Walking Dead at all because you know, I'm the only person on Earth, by the way. Well, it's just been a long time ago. I was like, all right, the governor. and Who's the due to the beard i don't remember but anyway it was just it was silly and it was fun to see the invincible team back together and doing this story which is very sci-fi rick has a mechanical hand and a lightsaber and whatever it was i enjoyed reading it you know i don't really need to read more of it it was like i loved seeing ryan's work yeah i could look at that all day but as a bit of a story or whatever like i totally it just wasn't for me let me put it this way this was the high point of the issue well for me. Yeah. Okay, so next bit is there's a story from Ultra Mega. Right. And Ultra Mega is a is a, a series going on right now written and drawn by James Heron who is a great genius mm-hmm. of comic book storytelling. However, I am not super interested in the stories that he has to tell. Yeah, this is a kaiju story which we we, we yep. both read the first issue of didn't really Yeah, I read a, I read a couple of them and I, I could barely follow it and it's it's really you know he's a great artist but this is clearly what he likes to draw and tell stories about it's fine but i I don't really care although that was for me more fun than the manifest destiny story a book i've never read with every consecutive page i turn and go is it over yet 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 oh god nothing against the creator i just don't know what the hell was going on and it was all about silly animals and it was like an old cartoon but it wasn't really that funny or clever it was like an impersonation of this kind of thing or, you know, like I'm just going to, so I guess if you're into whatever this is, I don't even know the words for it. Like it's like, it's kind of like an old, like Looney Tunes kind of thing almost. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought it was going to be a different thing. I remember a really long time ago, really long time ago when Paul was on the show, he had read manifest destiny Did he? and said, this book's really good. And so I remember I put the issues aside to read again at some point. And the important thing here is that I never did. So <laughs> when I got to this, I thought, all right, I will now get a chance to check this thing out. And it was not what I expected at all. And I found very, very little to grab onto uh, with it. You know, each story opened up with a little title page and a paragraph. Helpful. And I was reading it and I was like, in 1804, Captain Meriwether Lewis and Second Lieutenant William Clark set out on their expedition. I went, oh, 
to explore yes. the Uncharted Mech Frontier and found monsters lurking in the wild. And I went, oh, never mind. Yeah. But then that wasn't even that. We didn't even get any of that. It was just all like goofy Looney Tunes stuff, which I love, but I don't know. I, I don't know what the fuck this was. Just because I don't know. <laughs> and then the issue ends on another Walking Dead story, this one written and drawn by Tilly Walden. And it's a character from the Telltale games, Walking Dead. And I'm like, I don't know. Okay. And so I didn't really care about that. Well, what I thought was really interesting is I don't know who Tilly Walden is. And, uh, you know, like it says, she she won Eisner for graphic novels and seems to be a fairly respected and well-known, like, indie comics person who, Kirkman, who has an incredible eye for talent, yes. and said, hey, you should do this Walking Dead book and it will be good. You do the book that you want and I'll, you know, he'll fund it and they'll sell it and everybody will be happy, which is great. I love that as an idea. What a great thing to do for a cartoonist, especially if she's into it. But I don't care. Yeah. And also, I didn't think it was like it looked like Walking Dead, but not quite. And I didn't know who the characters were. And I like, you know, like, like, you know, I stopped reading The Walking Dead. I stopped watching the show. Like, I, I, I liked it a lot, but then I just had had enough of the thing. So spending more time in the world doesn't do anything for me. So this issue of SkyMount X number one, first of all, will you be reading number two next week, Josh? No. No, I, I A weekly anthology book on this. And I looked. I looked. I was like, well, maybe there's something in the next one that I will find exciting. And th- there wasn't really. So they're, I guess they're doing a graphic novel series with this Clementine character. So every, the next issue has a birthright, which just ended. <laughs> Stillwater, which is going on. Like, it feels like it's a, it's a thing to, like, get people into these other books. And I already know all these books. Right. And I don't want to read. I want to, I want to read the book. Right. So I, th- I feel like this is for a super fan. And I, I don't think it was bad. I think there's something to this, but I kind of wish that they were original stories. Like, I would have liked to see that. Ratings. Mm-hmm. Well, they all were original stories. You mean original concepts? Yeah. I mean, they're all books that I didn't read or are reading. Like, this one and the next issue. Like, yeah, I know what these are. I, I don't, wasn't looking for more. Ratings out of five. I find this difficult. Yeah. What What are you thinking? Where are you at? Two I'm sort half. of hanging in the... Two and a half. Two and a half? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I merge subjective with objective, that's kind of where I end up. I enjoyed the first story. That was the only thing I enjoyed. So... I mean, I think that like all of the... All of the work... Certainly all of the artwork in it was at a very high quality. Mm-hmm. Great artwork, great production. Sure. You know, if you're into this thing, if you like, I cannot get enough of these Skybound properties, then I think you're going to be very happy. Sure. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can vote to add a book to the rundown or give it a $5 higher level. You can get your superpower live on the show as a way of thanks. And the first patron to thank is Matt Huber. And Matt, at a touch, can frost or unfrost any glass surface. Ooh. And so, that right. So, like, you can be like, I need some privacy now. Or, and this is nice, say it's a very sunny day. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you want that, like, say it's Diffuse winter. Diffuse the light. You're saying it's winter, and it's very, like, it's cold, and you want that sun coming in, but it's a little too much. It's right in your face. Say that you work on the 70-whatever floor of the Empire State Building, <laughs> and that sun coming in 73rd. is... 73rd. 73rd. I couldn't mm-hmm. remember. Wow. It's going. It's all... This is how it starts. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, or uh, your shower door. Uh-huh. Or cars, even. You could, you could frost the glass the car. Even if I'm alone in like a room, like in the in a hotel shower, and that glass is clear, I'm like, what is the point of this? <laughs> Frost it, put up something, 
That says something about me. I stayed at a hotel once in my 20s that the wall was glass of the shower that you could oh, see right. through into the bed into the into the bed area. I've seen that. And I was like, oh, "Okay. There's a lot more going on in this hotel that I'm privy to." <laughs> you know, sometimes people who are in platonic relationships stay at hotels in the same room. <laughs> I know. Uh, imagine that at Comic-Con. I don't want to go to Comic-Con and see Ron's balls. That's not what I want. Move on. <laughs> Case Aiken, whose name surprised me at first until I said, oh, okay, can win any game show. Oh, shit. If he can get on that game show, he will come out on top, whether it is a game of chance. Mm-hmm. Well, like some of the Price is Right ones, sure. as a, or, or a game of, of strategy and challenge or trivia or even of talent. Mm-hmm. Get him on that show. He's going to win the grand prize. So he's got no special talent to get for the, for the game show. He will just he will win if he gets on it. Yeah, yeah, and it has to be a televised. It's not you know you can't right. call into the radio. It's not we're not talking about Monopoly in the house. If if it's on a, a an actual broadcast right. uh, game show, not one of those internet game shows. Nope, that doesn't count. <laughs> you got to be able if you. It has to be watchable on a cable box somewhere. I see, or or over the air. I'll get at that. Bailey Simone can refill any pen. So any writing implement will never run out of ink with Bailey around. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes you got a favorite pen and it's out of ink and you're just like, well, now what? My mm-hmm. whole life is a bit of a lie. Not with Bailey around. If you're a fountain pen person, never have to buy ink cartridges. Do you remember? I think it was in cartoons. There would be a thing. I'm doing hand motions. Where there was a pen and you could pull back on a piece and the ink would shoot out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that a thing? Fountain pens. Yeah. 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 You could can you can make a fountain pen shoot? I don't know if it'll shoot like as far as like in a cartoon, but yeah. Right. Some pens the ink is loaded in a certain way where yeah it'll, it'll leak out like that. Okay. Because I I th- I was I you just said it, I thought of it and I thought wait a minute that doesn't make sense but it's been in my head forever it's like quicksand. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I was watching something some recently where Quicksand came up, and I was like, "Oh, oh, it was the Mummy, the nineteen ninety six or whatever year that was classic with Brendan Fraser, and they fall into Quicksand." And I was like, "Yes, I haven't seen that in a while." Well, John Mulaney does a joke, yes, and he's like, "When I was a kid, mm-hmm. I thought Quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem than it actually is." And I was like, "Wow, you're right." I have a lot of Quicksand anxiety. Yeah, yeah, and I'm almost disappointed that I've never actually run across it. Blazing Saddles. People were always sinking into quicksand. <laughs> Barry Curry the second mm-hmm. is either all defense or all offense, but is really like so like playing a game, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in the game, a sport, yeah. the best def- he could be the best defensive player, absolutely abysmal at offense. Okay. Or vice versa. At any he can game pick in the beginning of the game. Yeah. At any any game. Any game he's put into. Yeah, and, he, and you can't change it in the middle of the game. So it's right. like on this game. Also, I would, I, would, I would probably go by sport. So if you're playing in basketball, he's like, no, I'm going to be the best offensive player of all time, but gets beat on the other side every single time. Or, or you know, on polo. I don't know, whatever. Right. Or the other way, he'd be the best defender, but never hits a basket. Zero yeah. career points. So that, football seems like it would be the sport for him. No. No, they're still... I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy, where you give it the $5 high level, get your superpower live in the show. We thanks to all the patrons who support the show. I want to get this email, and we've been waiting a couple weeks to do it. Ethan J. wrote in and said, Browsing the DC Infinite app, I discovered that there was an entire Teen Titans run by Jeff Johns from 2003 that I wasn't aware of. 
I quit comics for a while in the mid-2000s, and most of those years, right before Flashpoint, are an undiscovered country for me. Even better, it's part of the DC continuity that I prefer. It's exciting, but a bit daunting. I'm not sure where to start. From discussions in the Patreon Discord, I know there's a lot of fan favorites from that era that I haven't read, like Gotham Central. Do you have a favorite storyline or creator's runs from that handful of years before Flashpoint? Are we just talking about DC? Just DC, the mid-2000s DC. Give me a... Right around when this show started, because we started in 2005. Oh, yeah, yeah. Would be, you know, and then pre-2011. I don't remember that there was a Teen Titans run. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Although, if we started the show in 2005, I was reading then, but not, like... You were not super deep into it. Yeah. I mean, no, I was a weekly reader, for sure. Oh. Because we were doing the website. Yeah. Were you? I mean, I, I, I remember that I was. <laughs> That's not the same thing as was. <laughs> I'm just killing time until my spreadsheet opens. So I have a spreadsheet of all the picks of the week, at least all the ones I could find. So back then, we're talking about DC-wise. You had All-Star Superman in 2005. You had Gotham Central. You had Jonah Hex. Wow. You had the Detective Comics run. Was that the Paul Dini run? Teen Titans was John's. You had Green Arrow, which was what was uh, Meltzer and Kevin Smith and Judd Winnick in a row. Mm-hmm. was terrific. Justice League of America rebooted with uh, Meltzer was okay. Identity Crisis. Yeah, 52 happened there in that era in 2006. So that led to... 52 was a great year-long story. That Mm. led to a lot of interesting things that happened out of that. JSA. JSA from Johns. By Johns and Robinson. Checkmate. Checkmate was great. Checkmate from Rucka was terrific, and you should definitely check that out. We had Morrison's Batman run in 2007. Yeah, well, what was Grant Morrison doing around there? Batman, which was... Controversial, but I liked it. Was that Hitman or was that 90s? That's 90s. Yeah, too early. Yeah, just definitely Justice Society. That was 2007. Yeah, but there was the Scout Justice Society. started in 2006, seven. There's the Justice Society that the Johns did on his own. That's, that, that must have started early in 2007. Like when it was Robinson and Goyer. There was several lines. I'm, I'm looking at Justice Society of America number eight in 2007 on this list. It was a pick of the week. Yeah. So there were several volumes of that, but that was all. The That's Johnson Eaglesham. But even before that, it was good. You had Green Arrow, Black Canary. That was the Winnick Cliff Chang book. Started in 2007. That was one of the best books of that era. Green Lantern was John's. You know, you had the whole <laughs> Sinestro Corps War and Blackest Night all happened through Green Lantern. That was a great book. But again, Jonah Hex, that whole era was one of the best books being put out. Final Crisis was in 2008. I don't believe that that's very memorable. I do. I think it was a DC person it was. Then you had the new Krypton stuff happening that, that Rucka was doing in Superman. A lot of great Vertigo through those years, too. Yeah. Oh, you had Hellblazer yeah. and you had Scalp. Hellblazer, Lucifer. Fables was ending. Yeah. Fables, that was later. Fables was beginning. This was a great era of DC. Why the last man? Yeah, this was a great era for DC. Flash Rebirth happened in 2009. Is Ex Machina on there? I mean, it's Wildstorm, but they own it. I don't see any picks. I'm just I, all I see here I is mean, what we picked as pick of the week. So I don't know exactly what is going on for everything. But Justice Society shows up a lot. Detective Comics shows up a lot. Batman and Robin came out of that. That was the Morrison quietly. You know, at least the first six issues of that was some of the best comics. You had Wednesday Comics, 2009. You know, this was a great era for Blackest Night happened. That was a great event. Power Girl from Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. I feel like you're getting too late. This is all pre-Flashpoint. Oh, when is Flashpoint? 2011. Oh. 
I feel like 2003 and 2011, there's like that's like an epoch. There's like a thousand things that happened in there. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's a, it's a great era. You, like Jonah Hex shows up over and over again as pick of the week. Flash, Detective Comics, Green Lantern, The Brave and the Bold 33, the classic issue from James mm-hmm. Michael Straczynski that Josh picked, which tells yep. you how good it was. And let's not forget about Superman walking across America. <laughs> Day Tripper <laughs> in Vertigo. Mm-hmm. One of the best books of the last 20 years. There's a ton of great DC in that era. You throw a dart and hit something really terrific from that era. Especially, you know, the earlier 2000s is the end of an era. You, your Brubakers and your Ruckas, before they move over to Marvel, doing Batman was a terrific one-two punch. And then you just, then Jeff Johns era begins with Justice Society, and he does action comics, which was also incredible with Gary Frank. Yeah, good stuff. There's tons of good stuff in that era. Tons of good DC stuff in that era. You have a lot to read there. If you've got DC Comics Infinite and it's got all that stuff in it, you can read that stuff. You'll have years of reading. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks for writing in, Ethan. Contact iFanboy.com. You can also write in for our Media Explode show if you want to do that. Put Media Explode in the title so we know what it is when we're drunk and trying to put the show together after the hangout. Let's talk about other shows. Our last Book Explode show from the previous month, Injustice, Gods Among Us. Not our last one, but our previous one. Injustice, Gods Among Us, Year One, The Complete Collection. And also right behind this show in the feed, you'll find our special edition show on Black Widow. We went to the movies and saw a movie and we talked about it. So you can find that right behind the show in the feed. And coming up this week, I believe you'll have Batman The Long Halloween Part 1. The Animated Brain Trust will be talking about that. And then later this month, you'll have a Talksplode, Josh's creator interview show. You'll have a Media Explode show. And then next month in August, you'll have our next book explode on True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stanley by Abraham Reisman, the novel, our first prose book explode. Josh and I were just talking about it before the show. I'm pretty excited about talking about it because I, and, and because we decided to do this, I haven't been because I haven't been able to talk to you about it. So normally, every time I got to the thing, I would start talking to you about it, and I haven't okay. been able to. So it's building up. Exactly. Somebody asked me recently how many shows we did a month, and I was like counting them up. There's a lot of shows, and most of them is because of the patrons. So you can thank them. You get all these shows for the most part because of them, and we look forward to doing all of them. Yeah, you can head over to ifinboy.com and you can find all of our shows and our vast history of comic book writing from the talented writers. There's a lot of stuff there. Like he, like he said, we do a lot of shows every month. Multiply that by a lot of months. Mm-hmm. You can go to facebook.com slash ifanboy, at ifanboy on Twitter, or at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before it comes out. So you can be prepared. Uh, you can follow us individually on Instagram at cskilpatrick and at jaflanagan. And then you go over to YouTube at youtube.com. You guessed it, slash ifanboy. You can subscribe there and be continually updated with the new old shows. The old shows that we did, probably, if you're worried, if you're wondering about DC books from that era. Oh, yeah, for sure. Our shows are probably a great place to find out. That's the tail end of that era, but yes. yes. Uh, And we spent a lot of it talking about the stuff that had come before. So you could do that. This past week, you would have seen... It came from the storage unit, Iron Man 234, which is a mini. Did I do that? Or did no, you? I did. That was my bit. I know those are always yours, but I, that's is that the one where Tony Stark got shot? No, it's. I believe it's a Tony Stark Spider-Man team-up, an Iron Man Spider-Man oh. team-up. It's, it's very I thought, I thought, 80s. Rhodey's got a flat top. Tony Stark has right. jerry curls and a mustache. Yeah. I thought maybe I did one like as a as an aside. No. Like, like, okay. Comic book conventions where we talk. I honestly don't know what we talked. I assume, I assume I don't know. It I was think a couch- it was like wear good socks. It was a couch show. I think we t- it was right before Comic Con. We talked yeah. about various shows, what to do. I, I guess I don't know. I, have no, I, I, I can't remember. imagine. It. I can't imagine it's relevant advice anymore, because now it's like don't touch anyone. 
Uh, <laughs> although we probably said that then. And then uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2009 Part 1, we would do these big extravaganza shows. This is going to get interesting later on because we just broke all those up into segments. But for right now, it's it's a fully edited piece. This was the one that featured the 8 a.m. interview with Paul Miotti and Darwin Cook. Oh, yeah. The, and no, we broke totally. out the Darwin interview to its own episode. But this was the one where you interviewed Darwin and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. That was a fun one. I listened to part of it again when I saw it was on there, and it was a very funny one. You just said that I did it, and I yeah. thought, oh, God, I must have done a terrible job at that. <laughs> yeah, you did it. It's, it's, uh, it was funny. They were, t- they were taking um, backhanded slaps at DC, and it was yeah. very funny. Yeah, so you know, those are fun for us. Hope they're fun for you. Mm-hmm. And if you like the show, consider leaving a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast aggregator you use to listen to shows, not only for our show, but any podcast you listen to. It's the best way to help the show that you enjoy it helps the algorithm helps people find the shows and everyone who does a podcast which is almost everyone in the world at this point will appreciate you just taking a second to leave a star rating or a review and even better than that is word of mouth tell your friends uh, your mom your kid your litter carrier hardware store person you know someone at the bank people still go to the banks do they i don't know if someone's giving you an ice cream it's summertime handing you a shaved ice which i really miss tell that guy tell everybody can you not get? Sh- is, do you miss it because it it must still exist in New York. It doesn't it doesn't exist where you are. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So in New York, you, you see the shaved ice guy, and everybody would come running. <laughs> we have the ice cream truck guy, Mr. Softy. I miss Mr. Softy yeah. as well. I I I, I maybe it's I didn't grow up there, but I was like, this isn't very good. This is no Dairy Queen. Oh yeah, sure. But does Dairy Queen drive up to your house? No, but it's not far away, and it's an excuse for me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. Till next week, I'm Connor. No, I'm saying you can say to the kids who are being shitty and they're sitting on the couch like, let's go get Dairy Queen. And then you get out and you reset. Mm -hmm. And also, I have a truck so you can sit on the back. Sure. All about sitting on the back of the truck, Connor. I get you. I'm Josh. (laughs) (laughs) July, July, July. It never seems so. It never seems so strange. It never seems so It never seems so strange.